Welcome, and thanks for joining us at the Grown Ups Table. I'm Dave Patterson. And I'm Dylan DeQuano. This is the podcast where we talk to you about the shit you never learn, but you probably should have. What's going on, Dave? Not too much. What's going on with you? Oh, you know, uh, it's November. Yeah, I know. That's kind of alarming. Had to turn the old calendar over. Yeah, we're recording this here today, November 1st, the year 2021. Uh, Halloween was yesterday. We uh, have, <laughs> yeah, we're here. We In made case it. You forgot, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I want to give people a reference point now. Yeah, because that always works out well for us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How was your Halloween? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Had a lot less kids than I expected, which means I've got a lot of leftover candy, which is either a good thing or a very bad thing. Yeah. Uh, probably both. I think it was Friday. I was having like a, a meeting with my boss and we were just chatting about Halloween coming up and stuff like that. And she was like, when I first moved on to my street, it was a bunch of young kids everywhere. We used to give out 1000 pieces of candy on Halloween in a night. Wow. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, last year was COVID, so like I know the numbers were less, but it kind of it spooked me a little bit. So I went out and bought like a hundred more pieces of candy on Friday because I was like, I, I just need to make sure I have enough. I had already bought fifty pieces and like forty bags of chips. So then I bought another hundred pieces of candy and did so not stocked. need them. Yeah, we got way too much yeah. left over. <laughs> and then the hard thing too is you don't know how much to give to each kid. Yeah. So they come to the door and it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm going to get 10 of you or 50. And you start small. And then by the end of the night, you're like hand shoveling it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what we did this year? We held the bowl out and said, you can take what you want. And most kids would just take one. But there was one kid. He must have been like four years old. He was just like took one and then took another one. <laughs> And then took another one. Like, he didn't take three at once. He just kept going he just back. Like kept, was he, like, making eye contact with you the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Because that would much. make it way better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I liked that because you really got to see kids' true colors. You got to see if they were... And I was surprised. Most Now of you know who to look them. out for in the neighborhood. Yeah, exactly. Now you're, like, if your house gets egged, you know, you know you've got a short list. Yeah, but next year, because like on the past couple of years with Halloween, like it's really not been a lot of kids. I think I'm just going to go for the be the full size candy bar house next year. Honestly, I'm surprised you aren't already. I, I, I think next year is the year like, yeah, it's not that much more to get a bunch of full size candy bars than it is to to get the giant thing for the amount of kids. And then I'm not going to have a million leftovers that that does require, like we talked about struggling with precision and knowing how much to buy yeah. that requires some precision. Yeah. A little bit. Cause if you buy 200 full size candy bars and you have 40 kids, I'm not going to buy 200 full size candy bars though. I think that's what I'm, I'm saying. Glad I'm that's gonna, on tape. Yeah. I'm going to buy because I want, I want, I feel like a year from now I'm going to need to pull that clip up. Okay. And well, play where you said, I'm not going to buy 200 full-size candy bars. <laughs> I'm definitely buying 200 full-size candy <laughs> bars now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got a pretty special episode today. Cool guest, Jessica Correa from Random Acts of Green will be joining us in a little bit. Yeah. Um, To talk about how we can all be a little more sustainable in our everyday lives. Something that's pretty important given the current and future state of the world we live in yep you're always hearing all the doom and gloom about climate change and about just how much pollution there is in the world and it's pretty jarring yeah. uh yeah like how much humans contribute to I mean, it is all humans we like, suck Whales aren't contributing to this. Kangaroos I mean, aren't contributing. I know they don't have factories. They don't produce. I mean, if kangaroos plastic. ran a factory, that'd be pretty cool. It would be, but that's not the world we live in, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, you're right. It is all doom and gloom. And that one of the things that's great about Random Axe Green and Jessica too is just 
the positive approach and the uh, focusing on what you can do. So should yeah. be a great discussion. Yeah, it's more about what you can do, not what you shouldn't do, which I think people can appreciate because no one likes feeling attacked. No one likes that like the PETA protesters outside with their signs is showing like dead bunnies and stuff like that. And you're like, well, this isn't helping people just hate you now. So yeah, yeah, it, you got to have a, a positive engaging supportive approach, which is what they do. But before yeah. we get into that discussion, as we talk about every week, what have you been working on Dylan? What have I been working on other than um, estimating candy needs? Well, Truthfully, um, <laughs> nothing special. Oh, wait. Yeah. We recorded this before. We were supposed to do this episode earlier, but then due to some complications, we didn't. So I forgot that I had mentioned it before, but it never got aired. But I started running. Um, like, because we, we did our episode and you mentioned that you were running. I'm like, I could probably start running. So I did. And there you go. I'm not good at it, but. I'm getting better at it. So that's all just that a couple, matters. Couple runs a week. Um, just trying to increase the distance, decrease the time, that kind of thing. But I don't really know what I'm doing. I just run around my neighborhood. I mean, the beauty of it is it's not overly complicated. I mean, you can get into all kinds of like, you know, cadences and figuring out your target heart zones and how to increase these things. And but when it comes down, people to can it, run. We've all, yeah. I mean, assuming you're a fully able person, I shouldn't say that, but like we all ran around as kids. Like it's not that complicated an activity. Yeah. So that's one of you the beauties gotta, of it. Just, just run your it butt around sucks. the block. <laughs> yeah, it does. That's, that's what I will say. It does suck. Like, yeah. does it ever not suck? Are there, do runners enjoy, like do professional runners, I, that's what they make all their, do they like it? They can't. They must. I mean, you they must can't. like be fast. I mean. I think for like a sprinter, like if you're a Usain Bolt, like to say I'm the fastest man on the planet, that's got to be cool. Yeah. And it's got to be fun to like actually move that fast. Like a party I will say, yeah. You're like, hey, watch how fast (laughs) I can run run to the living room. (laughs) Like, wow, that guy's so fast at running across the house. It's dangerous. It's impressive. But yeah, I will say it took me like probably a month and a half before I had a run where I thought, Hey, this is fun. Like I I had to ramp up the distance and stuff for a while before I got to a point where I actually felt like I was enjoying it. Um, and I don't enjoy every run. Those moments (laughs) come and go. I will say, cause, uh, I started a gym a while ago and I was just running on, they have like a manual treadmill there. Um, I like running outside a lot more than running on that thing. Cause you, I, I, you, a, you get to get some fresh air. Yeah. And well, vitamin like, D. Yeah. And when you actually are outside, you can kind of sense a lot more how far you've run than if you're like 15 minutes running outside or 25 minutes or whatever is a lot different than just doing it in one spot. You don't really feel like anything's happening. Or you just can't judge it other than yeah. I'm tired and sweaty and gross. No, I'm with you. It's far more motivating, far more yeah. enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and then there's also if you're like, I'm running this route, you know, where you are and where the target is. And you have a sense of how fast you're going. Like when you're going on a treadmill, you only know you're going fast because your heart's racing. Yeah. Like when you're outside, you're passing stuff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's kind of what I've been working on. Also, Emily gave me my early birthday present yesterday. Um, Oh yeah. She bought it and she was like, I like, I think that I don't want to wait till your birthday because I think you'll enjoy it sooner. It's not something that so she just gave it to me and I was like, oh, that's awesome. So she got me a soda stream. Nice. So I'm a big uh, fan of mine. Yeah. So I've been drinking a lot more water because of that because maybe it's because it's new and exciting for me. But I, I've just been drinking so much water. Just get real fired up for those bubbles. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. How about you? What have you been working on? Oh man. Um, well, I mentioned a few podcasts ago, having a small fishing boat, uh, yeah. season's over. So I had to figure out how to get that done for the year. So yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty stubborn about if I think I can do something, then I don't want to pay people to do that thing. Yeah. 
So that's the kind of attitude that leads to me having a laptop open in the back of a boat while I'm covered in oil trying to figure <laughs> out how to change an oil filter in the engine. Um, yeah. But I got it all done. So I did figure it all out, did save nice. a fair bit of money. Still had to spend a fair bit of money. But um, yeah, so that was a big project. And then I had to get the boat home. Uh, the most I'd driven with it was like 10 minutes before. So a three-hour drive from the cottage was a little intimidating at first. Yeah. But, you know, two hours in, you stop freaking out every time you look in your mirror and there's a boat on your yeah. bumper. <laughs> <laughs> at first, that's a little weird visually if you're not used to towing trailers and other vehicles. So, yeah, yeah got it back, got it in the driveway. Everything's good to go. Cool. Yeah, some lessons learned. With that, I think Jessica's ready to join us. So let's get into the conversation about being more green. All righty, we are here now live, not live for you, but live for us with the uh, CEO and founder of Random Acts of Green, Jessica Correa. How's it going, Jessica? It's going. How are you, Dylan? Pretty good. Good. Yeah. yeah we're uh, super it's... excited to have you here with us. Yeah, yeah super excited to be here. Thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. So, I mean, right out of the gate, why don't we just start off with what is Random Acts of Green? What do you guys do? Random Acts of Green is a woman-led social enterprise that brings both businesses, organizations, and people together in an online community that empowers collective climate action. And through the Random Acts of Green app, our website, as well as our social media platforms, we prove that seemingly small changes like composting, refusing single-use plastics, or eating less meat really do add up to make a big collective impact for our planet. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's... Uh... That's a lot going on in one sentence there, but you really, uh, you knew what you were talking about. <laughs> I really hope I know what I'm talking yeah. about. Oh, that's great. That's, that's really great. So what you obviously we mentioned your CEO and founder. So what led you to start this whole thing up? Yeah. So ever since I was a little girl, I, you know, constantly saw my parents and sisters leave on their lights. So uh, in my house as a kid, they would leave on their bedroom lights, the bathroom light, the laundry room light, the basement light, the garage light. And it really frustrated me to no avail. And, you know, at a very young age, I started a very informal protest where I would refuse to eat my meals unless everyone around the house turned off all the lights. So I would sit there and pout until everyone got up and turned off all the lights before we ate the meal. And that's where things kind of got started. And slowly but surely over time, I started adding a couple more green acts to uh, convince my family. And so I realized at a young age that I could influence those around me by being stubborn and persuasive and convincing. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder if I could influence more people to take action, if I could influence my family and my sisters. And I then took my, I, I just did environmental science and studies at Trent University. And I had, I got a degree in the subject. And then I, and then I pursued my master's after that. And then I thought to myself, why don't I turn my master's thesis into a social enterprise? And here I am, six years later, still still running that uh, still running that dream. So uh, wow. yeah, it's been uh, kind of fun. So that's yeah, awesome. That's wow. how it got started. <laughs> now you mentioned there's an app for uh, Random Acts of Green. Is that just like a like, how, like what what goes into that? What yeah? Can I can I download the app or is it more for the pe your partners who you work with or? No, you can totally download the app and please do. Uh, the app it was um, kind of born actually after uh, Random Max Green got started. So of course, Random Max Green isn't just an app. It's a movement. It's a it's a community and there's a lot more to it uh, than just being the tool. However, uh, the app kind of came about um, through a provincial project back in 2018. They were looking for a way to engage people living in Ontario. Um, to take action for the climate. And we had a really catchy name, Random Acts of Green, and we thought we could take some of the work that we were doing and turn it into a mobile application. And they uh, they helped fund this, um, fund the app. And basically what it does is you can log 
green X, <laughs> like composting, refusing single-use plastics, eating less meat, recycling, repairing items, buying used clothing, and about 35 to 40 other actions there available on the app, ranging from energy, wastewater, food and transportation, and other. Of course, tree planting's on there too as well. And you can actually earn what's called the green point. So when you log the actions, you earn a green point and the green points are based on the amount of carbon that have been reduced by each action. Hmm. So the more green points you earn, the more carbon you've reduced. And each is based on um, CO2 equivalencies. Um, So it's actually based on the kilograms of carbon that have been reduced. And people can actually see the impact that they're making and earn points. And they can also compete for a spot on the leaderboard. And then what's really cool is they can actually redeem those green points for real world discounts on products and services from some of our business members. So we've got a lot of fun stuff on there. You can redeem them from uh, discounts at Healthy Planet, for example. Uh, We've got um, beeswax wrap. You can get a percentage off of those too as well. And just a whole bunch of other eco products and services uh, that we've partnered with different companies to help incentivize and motivate people to take action for the planet and become more educated. That's really cool. Yeah. I I think that if you have something where you can track it and hold yourself accountable, it's easier and, and more like tangible to actually see what you're doing. And yeah. And if you get an incentive by getting discounts on stuff too, everyone loves that as well. So I think that's a, a really brilliant idea. That's awesome. I'm going to have to download that up. (laughs) So you mentioned you have all these businesses you work with. What's that been like? Um, I know it seems to me, at least in the last five years, the number of advertisements I see for more eco-minded businesses has really shot up. Are you finding that that's really becoming more commonplace in the market? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, you know, helped us. You know, we we generate revenue through advertising and, and marketing in a lot of ways. We have a, a membership program as well. And so, you know, I think right now it's, and, and hopefully it's not just a fad um, that people are trying to just hop on to. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, this needs to come from a place of commitment, dedication, and just honesty. Like you can always pick the companies that are doing this just, just because they want to be seen as green and not actually act. Like it's always very easy to tell bad apples from good apples, at least for me personally, maybe because I've been doing this uh, for so long, but it's always, you know, you can tell the ones that are dedicated, commitment driven, um, that have been committed to, to making an impact, even if they're not perfect you know it just comes from a place of honesty and you know that they're gonna try and make an effort and i think that's really important um you know with anything especially in in this work i think judging and feeling and making people feel guilty for the things that they aren't doing has really sort of plagued the environmental um, movement in a lot of ways. So it stops people from taking action when, you know, people are pointing fingers and going, well, you've got a plastic water bottle and you didn't remember your reusable mug. And, uh, you know, it's just, it just makes people feel really small and pathetic almost. And so I think that that's, um, you know, it's, it's not helpful. It's not helpful, um, to, to inspire people to take action. And so one of the things that we've really prided ourselves on is just being positive and inclusive and, encouraging people to act and just taking action and just welcoming people. And, you know, I like to say we catch people when they're good. So, um, you know, giving praise and giving uh, reinforcement when people are doing uh, things right. And uh, we take the same approach with people as we do companies too as well. And so uh, just just being their cheerleader when things are going right and helping guide them to make better decisions if they're not doing something perfect. But if we can help them kind of improve, I think comes from a place of learning and understanding rather than judgment um, and making people feel guilty. Sorry, that was a rant. No, that's <laughs> great. Yeah. And what, what kind of range of, uh, companies and organizations are you working with? Like in what industries? Oh, good question. I actually did the analysis on this today. So that's really <laughs> funny that you asked me. Um, so yeah, I'm actually going to bring it up. So right now, 40% of the companies we work with are consumer goods. Uh, we also have 13% in like environmental services, consumer services. So they might have um, be selling renewable energy, 
um, services. They might be um, selling, you know, organizing services uh, as another example. We work with 3% in the hospitality industry, uh, retail, uh, 2% only in apparel and fashion. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest ones are consumer good, consumer services, and then um, the 17% have been in food and beverage markets too as well. So it's pretty um, diverse, but that's what makes Random Acts of Green so fun is because um, you can work in various industries and you can help people make an impact regardless of the industry that they're in and get them to think outside of the box and encourage them to take action in ways they would have never heard of, right? Like you would have never thought, you know, a hotel um, might be able to lower their impact in some way, right? And we've been able to help guide different industries into taking action in, in new and innovative and creative ways to get them to think differently. And like, so, so like you just said, you might not think of a hotel necessarily as something that can reduce their impact. And what are some like, how do you come up with the ways that they can do that? Like, obviously, you're assessing carbon footprints and stuff like that. Um, but like, what other like, tangible ways are there to, to really figure out how to reduce that footprint? So we focus on people. So we focus on the employees of an organization. So we don't necessarily come in and do like a full environmental assessment on, you know, your building and your energy, right. but we focus on people because we believe that, you know, change comes from people. And so, you know, even in a big corporation, uh, people always point fingers and go, well, the corporations aren't doing anything. Um, you know, or the government isn't doing anything. And really when you break it down, uh, governments and corporations are, they're just groups of people. They're big groups of people. And so really change starts from educating people to take action. And so we um, work from educating people to become more passionate and feel that they can themselves make a difference. And the um, idea behind that is that it then spills over into other practices, into their workplace and into their homes as well. So if we start with the person and, and the teams and the employees, um, that's really where change starts. And that's when they start to think, okay, what can I reduce and how can I reduce waste in my life? And then how can I reduce waste as an organization? So um, that's how we make an impact. I know there's lots of other organizations that are beyond the scope of what Random Acts of Green does, but we like to focus on um, educating and empowering people to take action. Um, and yeah, we've done that in various ways. And, um, you know, I think with the, you know, the hotel example, they, they you know, they, electrified their vehicle fleet, right? That's just one example. Or they've tried to reduce, um, you know, the the waste in the, the washrooms um, from just having too many soaps that they were giving out to the guests and that type of thing. So just having people think a little bit differently. And um, I think once you know, you can't unknow, uh, you know, environmental practices. And so the, the more you know, the, the more helpful it is. And uh, the more your eyes are, you know, open to different things that you could be doing, um, it's harder to close them, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> It makes a lot of sense. And I, one other thing that you see if you turn on the TV ever is all this talk about what the corporations that are involved in creating pollution and driving behind climate change and all of this. And it kind of makes, you mentioned trying not to make individuals feel small, but sometimes when you're watching this stuff and reading this stuff, it's hard not to feel pretty small yeah. and significant. So totally. for those people who haven't downloaded the Random Acts of Green app yet and seen the carbon that they're saving or reducing, how much do individual actions really matter? Like the bringing reusable bags, all of that. What does that really add up to? Sure. And, and, you know, this is a great question and it's a debate that's been, you know, ongoing with tons of podcasts and, and different people saying, well, what's it matter? Like if I do everything perfectly, if I install a solar panel roof, if I go vegan, if I drive, you know, electric vehicle, if I live off grid, um, I'm literally making a negligible impact. Like it's still not going to matter. And, um, that's been an argument from a lot of people. And, um, it's true. Like if you really look at one person, one household, and even if you did everything, everything right. Like what's your impact in terms of the greater picture? Uh, by no means am I saying that, that not to act. Um, the point is though, is that it cannot just be you, you have to influence others, which is one of the reasons that, you know, I started random acts of green because I know I can't possibly do everything in my life, but can I inspire other people to act, to get into politics, to write to their MPs, to write to their, um, you know, to inspire their kids, to get into environmental studies and fight, you know, run for the green party next time, you know, who knows, you know, what can happen if you, um, you know, just 
just start talking about it, start getting people. And, you know, it, it starts with a small ask, you know, and, and then it just continues to snowball. And I think that, you know, just asking someone to start composting or start riding their bike to work once, like just start with a small ask. And uh, then you'll see that things start to change from that one thing that you're doing. And can you, it can't just stop at you, right? Like if you've done everything you can, you have to start, you know, um, it has to start compounding. Yeah. It's got to keep going out. You've got to keep talking about it. You've got to keep bringing people into the sphere and you've got to empower them to take action in, in ways that are important to them. Right. And I think that's another thing that people have gotten wrong is like, you know, a lot of programs push biking to work um you know i look at my parents and they're never gonna ride their bike like they just it's just not their thing right (laughs) like it's just they're not interested in it and you know um and other people like you know might not be able to go completely vegan right like i myself like i have a severe nut allergy and a lot of people are like well why aren't you vegan and i'm like well (laughs) i literally have a nut allergy and i that's like a whole um you know part of my diet that i can't eat so the best i can do is vegetarian um or you know have to have a really cautious diet in terms of uh you know i I don't know what i'd be able to eat and that's limited pretty limited if you can't eat nuts and and you're a vegan so you know there's just some things like you know stop being so narrow-minded and letting people make impact where they can and allowing them to use their skills and passions to make changes and let them make changes on their um you know on what in their lifestyle the way that they can right you're not going to ask somebody who lives in a rural area to bike to work every day because that's just not it's just not feasible. So, you know, we've got to give people a range of choices, a range of ideas and get them to feel included. Um, and I think that's, that's really the best way to make an impact. So back to your question. Um, yeah. Do individual actions matter? They do matter, but it can't stop at you. Um, and that's really why, you know, I, I built random acts of green. Cause I thought, okay, let's, can we sew a community thread? Can we take random acts of green? Can we bring people together under this umbrella and then send them off on their way doing all of the different things that they can do to make an impact. And can we call this a, an alliance, a collective? Can we get people in a community to get them all acting um, in ways that they can so that they don't feel like they're alone? Because at the end of the day, we can't just look at ourselves. We have to spread outwards and we have to let that multiply and we have to bring more people in. And I don't think judging or making people feel guilty is really helpful. And so, uh, yeah, just trying to get people in the zone and letting people know that this is for everyone and, and everyone can take uh, an action. Cool. And like, uh, I'm obviously everyone's heard the basic things that you can do in your life, turn the lights off, turn the TV, like, but like, what are some other things that like in your own life at home that you can do generally that are going to have a bigger impact that maybe people don't jump to right away when they're thinking about it? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a good question. And I think the most common things I hear people say that they do are recycle, tree plant and pick up litter, which are great. Like, don't get me wrong, but those are the three most common things that people do. And I think that um, then they stop and then they go, yeah, I've done my part. I planted a tree once this year and like, that's a wrap, right? Oh, it's Earth Day. Oh, that's a wrap. Like, um, (laughs) uh, you know, I picked up litter and filled my bag and I'm done for the year. And uh, that's, you know, I think that's a common uh, perception um, that happens quite often. And I think that's very limiting. And yeah, I mean, definitely reducing the, the meat that you eat is, is a huge one. Um, you know, traveling less is another one. And if possible, um, you know, I could, I could spew off, uh, you know, so many other ones, but, um, you know, I think at this point, people need to, um, yeah, I think, you know, download the app, look into Random Acts of Green, come on our website and have a look at um, options that work for you. Because, you know, the ones that are most impactful, um, you know, being understanding that they those things might not work for everyone. So I could list five actions. And, you know, if I tell, you know, an 85 year old or 90 year old woman to come plant a tree with me. I mean, maybe that's not, you know, know, so (laughs) it's hard for me to, uh, yeah, just like tell people what's, what's right for them. Um, but I would say and encourage people to go beyond those three actions. And, um, you know, we just ran a hollow green challenge, for example, and 
that challenge was all about different things that you could do during the month of October. So as an example, um, you know, pumpkin waste, right? Like what can we do with our pumpkins? Um, How can we compost them? Can we turn them? Can we eat the pumpkin seeds? Can we actually, instead of just using them for decorations, can we eat them so that they don't become food waste, right? Like all of these different examples, like, um, you know, people need to be thinking about uh, sustainability more often than just Earth Earth Day. Um, and that's what we've really brought to the forefront is trying to be that platform that brings it to the, the, the front and center uh, at every time of the year, that it's not just a once a month thing, that it's something people sh- and organizations should be thinking about all year round. Um, and we have like a Christmas challenge coming up, uh, you know, all different ways to be sustainable during the Christmas season. So, you know, giving experiences rather than gifts, um, you know, like don't use, um, glitter wrapping paper. It's one of the worst things because that's just microplastic. So glitter is glitter. Like, I mean, I could go on and on. I've got tons of ideas. Like I, you know, I think we have over 3,500 different green acts, you know, in a database that we (laughs) kind of spew off. So when people just give me three things like tree planting, um, recycling and picking up litter, uh, yeah, it's, it's cringeworthy, I guess, to me, because I, you know, I just know there's so much more that they could be doing that aren't, um, that complicated, you know, even just meatless Mondays, like if you are not super duper committed to, you know, going vegetarian, um, you know, just even starting there, you know, it makes an impact too as well. And then getting three friends to do it. Right. So don't just stop there. Like get three friends to do it with you, get four friends to do it with you. Um, I think is, uh, really gonna help, um, make an impact as well. For sure. And like with the meatless Mondays or going vegetarian or going vegan, if you can, like, do you want to just because maybe some listeners out there aren't totally familiar with the impact that the meat industry has on the environment. And from what I understand, it's one of like the most significant things because of just how much meat is consumed, how much like methane gas is produced. It's the amount of water. um, Yeah. For sure. So it's the amount of, of water and then grain that's used to feed the the animals, the, the, the cattle uh, that could be used to feed humans. So if, if all of the resources that we're going in to feed the um, the cattle can go into feeding us, um, it's just it's just such a contrast. And so, um, you know, lots of organizations like, you know, Oxford, uh, the University of Oxford, um, has said that cutting meat and dairy products from your diet can reduce an individual's carbon footprint from food by up to 73%. And that eating a vegan diet could be the single biggest way to reduce your environmental impact. And so it is just a big, it's a big deal. Um, and so, you know, vegan diets in particular have far lower carbon, water, and ecological footprints than those of meat or fish eaters. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a big it's a big deal. And, um, it, it's one of the best ways to do it. Um, there's also like more, um, you know, radical kind of thinking, if you will, but like have less children is another, you know, kind of not spoken about, um, one that, you know, it's, it's, it's controversial really. But it um, may, it's logical. It makes yeah, sense when math. you say it out loud. Right. It, uh, yeah. Right. And it does. Right. So having less children is another like big one. Um, another big green act that a lot of, you know, it, it, like I said, it's a little bit controversial, but it is one, um, that has, you know, um, circulated. Um, the other one is, yeah, just, yeah. Traveling less, you know, uh, you know, traveling and, and going on flights, uh, unnecessary flights, um, very often. Can you, we cut them down? Can we do more staycations? Can we, can we do more things around, um, the area in which we live or travel our own country? Um, and, you know, and that kind of thing, those are, are some big ones, um, that people can do if they do want to make an impact. Um, and then, like I said, having conversations. So talking about it, um, talking to other people about it, talking to your family about it, talking to your friends about it. Um, can you influence the people around you to do something? Um, can you get them to take action? Can you get them to care about, um, this, right? Um, and I think that's, uh, one of the big takeaways for sure. You mentioned flying less and thinking differently about travel. One thing that again, seems to be all over the internet and I I book a lot of flights for my business and you see it everywhere. These offsets, um, are they legitimately helpful or are carbon offsets just airlines trying not to look as evil as they are? (laughs) You know, I, 
this is a hard one for me to answer. I'm no expert on uh, carbon offsetting. That's not, uh, that's definitely beyond the scope of my expertise. Um, yeah. However, um, yeah, I mean, I think doing your research on the organization that you are, um, that you are purchasing the offsets from, I wouldn't say that they're, you know, not worth it. I just think that, you know, there's work to be done in terms of making them um, just more streamlined um, as well as understood by the public. I think that there's a knowledge gap there in terms of, you know, where's my money going to? Um, what's going to be the impact of this? Is it just me opening my wallet to feel good that I'm not, you know, that I went on a plane and that type of thing. So I think there's just a lack of consumer education in the um, in the industry. And I think they still have um, sort of a long way to go in terms of, you know, making it more publicized and making people feel comfortable with that. Um, and then making sure that, you know, the money spent is actually um, making an impact. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely a great idea. And I think that uh, some companies are doing a really good job with it. And uh, other ones might still have some learning to do. Um, but like any industry, especially with a new industry like that, um, there's always going to be hurdles uh, to help overcome. So that, that would be my thoughts on that. That's great. Yeah. And back to like, what we were talking about a bit before with like, the products or the, the ways that you can change stuff in your home by the actions that you take. Obviously people still need to go out and like buy, I don't know, garbage bags or buy, I don't like there's certain things you need in your life to kind of live the way that society has been created that we're forced to kind of live within now. But are there like certain brands and products out there that you'd recommend to people? Like I, I think you mentioned getting like wax um, seal things right. for containers versus like yeah. Yeah. single use plastics and stuff like that. Are there any other products? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I would um, send people to our uh, member directory. We have like a ton of different brands that we work with that offer different solutions. Um, we have like a company that sells stainless steel razors, for example, to switch out plastic razors. Um, we have another company that even sells sustainable floss. So the, the plastic floss that you use, um, they sell a, a one that's uh, made from sustainable material that can compost. Um, so yeah, just tons of different innovative, sustainable solutions out there. Um, another one is shampoo bars. Um, so instead of buying the bottles of shampoo, using shampoo bars is another one um, where people have um, reduced their waste at home. Um, you know, for women, uh, reducing um, just like their period waste, for example, we've got tons of different companies that we work with uh, that help women do that. Um, so yeah, there's lots of options out there. Um, so I would send people to our um, membership directory because we've got tons of great businesses that support Random Acts of Green um, that people can shop at um, and, and look into. Um, there's lots of different ones um, that are available, lots of different cool products. So uh, yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah, one of the things that I have that my wife and I have been using recently, they're like, these they're like kind of like a cloth kind of like a sponge but they're supposed to be like an alternate alternate for oh, paper good. towel that you can just continue to use over and over rinse them out and clean them and they last forever like we've had them for like a year and we've had the same four of them that we just keep cycling through and washing them. you can put them in your dishwasher nice um, but, Sounds like an unpaper towel, I guess. Or yeah, something, something like that. Like, and and oh. that's one thing that I'd recommend to people out there because we use a lot less paper towel with that. Nice. Um, but that's another thing I've been seeing some ads for lately too, now that I just mentioned dishwashers, um, saying that you should actually run your dishwasher not full rather than washing your like half sink full of dishes by hand because you actually use less water running the dishwasher than sitting there letting the tap run. Do you have anything to say on that? Is that just another company trying to push their, like use our dishwashers instead of. Oh, I mean, I, I don't think I can comment on that without uh, doing some hardcore reading about comparing the amount of water and soap and all that. That's come, you know, and, and a lot of these things are, um, yeah, it's, it's hard because, you know, where do you draw the line, you know, and, and other people will say, Oh, well, EVs are, not environmentally friendly because they have uh, batteries and, and the batteries then have to be recycled and then what, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like, sometimes it's really hard to like um, draw 
lines on, you know, what are we measuring and how are we going to know if we're successful? Um, you know, are we just looking at emissions? Are we just looking at carbon? Are we looking at other uh, metrics as well? And, you know, that's been, um, yeah, it, it's interesting because our, our app, for example, a lot of people ask us why picking up litter is not a green act. And that might puzzle you um, as it puzzles a lot of people. But mm -hmm. um, picking up litter doesn't actually reduce greenhouse gas emissions. And the funding that we got um, from the government uh, was um, just to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So um, it's really interesting when we pigeonhole things like that, right? Because, uh, you know, picking up litter is a green act because it does help. It, it helps. It has tons of other environmental benefits like protecting wildlife and not letting things run into the, uh, you know, the waterways and that kind of thing. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard to just have, um, it's sometimes not black and white. And, uh, that's what I would say about some of these things where, um, it, you know, in the example that you gave, just, um, you know, washing the dishes, it, it's not sometimes it's not always easy to understand. And, and I think that's part of the challenge sometimes is, um, like I said, we need to know what are we measuring and how do we know that we've been successful and how are we going to stop measuring um, everything? Um, because, yeah, it, it gets really tricky. And uh, that would be the job of uh, researchers, I think, uh, you know, out yeah, there, uh, academics uh, that are, um, yeah doing uh doing this type of work so yeah you have to draw a scope sometimes and uh sometimes things are outside of the scope uh that are uh challenging uh for sure so um yeah so the other thing i wanted to mention um was yeah the environmental impact of our homes is um one of the big um yeah it's, a, it's another huge piece so not just our diets and uh, not just our waste footprint as well and, and our plastics and that type of thing, but just the environmental impact of our homes. Um, that's been a big topic of concern is, yeah, um, you know, how do we retrofit the homes that we're currently in to make them more energy efficient? Um, there's lots of ways, um, you know, to do that. However, some of them are quite expensive. Um, mm. And, you know, like installing a, a heat pump, for example, is one of the best things that you can do. But that is has a large upfront cost. Um, and, you know, or installing solar panels, for example, right? Like these are large upfront costs for homeowners. And especially in a pandemic or just coming out and um, going into economic recovery can be a large ask. And so having that mixed methods approach of small things and large things um, that you can do in your homes, like, you know, installing a smart um, thermostat is another great one, you know, that's not as expensive as the heat pump uh, and just being mindful about your, your energy consumption and then um, retrofit. So, you know, watching to make sure that your, um, you're, you know, you've insulated your attic or you've ensured that um, the, the different, you know, you've sealed up your windows properly and the doors, you know, we're getting into the winter months. So these are ways that you can actually, um, yeah, just ensure that your home is is heated and that that heat is staying trapped within and that um, that you're not wasting energy um, and, and then you can use less of it, too. So, yeah. That's great, because I was going to ask about that. Cause for <laughs> yeah. many of us, our home is probably the single biggest impact yeah. we're going to have. Um, Especially so, yeah. how much time we've been spending at home over the yeah. past like year and a half, right? We're, uh, totally. we're always in it. And yeah, I feel like that's the place where you can directly have the biggest impact. So I guess things like, I, I think I also saw on your website even, and this is something maybe I'd heard before, but never think about like unplugging unused appliances. Cause there's phantom power that's being, used like yep. if you're not using your kettle unplug it if you're not using your toaster unplug it if you're not using yep. your yep. computer unplug it like you don't need to yep. have all this stuff in or like have yep. your tv on with nothing on it just like your yep. google like background <laughs> screen that's on it doing nothing because you're if you hit pause for too long or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. totally yeah no exactly yeah Th those little things you know and uh like they are little things but like i said like they do they do add up and they can uh, help make an impact. And so, yeah. And, and like I said, then there's on the other side, there's big things that people can do as well. And I think that's, you know, right now though, you know, just being cognizant that, yeah, we are in a, in a housing market that is, um, unaffordable to many. And so, you know, targeting homeowners, um, uh, is important. 
Um, but also being aware that, um, you know, there's also renters that are living in, in homes that are owned by landlords. And so almost targeting those landlords too, as well, or um, asking renters to tell their landlords um, in, in that way, you know, it's becoming more and more expensive to own a home. And so, you know, we might need to shift the conversation a little bit um, and uh, ensure that, you know, I think there's grants out there for, for homeowners, um, to renovate their homes. There's tons of them actually right now. There's a green grant program, I think from the feds um, that's out there. Um, yeah, lots of resources online for people to make those switches. Um, but you know, the the big stuff, um, yeah, they're, they it might be a large upfront cost, which is like why I like to weigh things and make sure that everybody feels included um, in the conversation when it does come to homes. And then just being yeah aware too that, yeah, it is um, it's becoming harder to own a home too as well. Yeah. Yeah. Lost a lot of money already. Yeah. <laughs> we talked a little bit about um, kind of buying eco-friendly products. And something that I've always kind of wondered about is when is it better to replace what you're using with an eco-friendly product? Or are you better to use whatever it is you're using until it dies or all that totally. kind of balance? And yeah, you know, I have these non-compostable whatever do i use them till i'm out or do i switch now what's kind of some guidance on navigating that oh definitely use it up you know use up yeah. everything you have because yeah i mean we've seen people like you know i mean i think well intentioned but like they've just gone and like thrown out everything they had even like if there was like product there they'd be like look i like made reusable switches and we were like no like you should have used it up first you know because there's no point in in wasting perfectly good product um you know that's that's fine and um then switching things yeah definitely using it up using it till it's full life cycle because uh yeah just the i think the you know the resources embodied in making whatever you've purchased already uh you know wasting it like that is it's definitely not a green act. <laughs> so don't throw it out. Um, use it, you know, even if it's not the greenest option, you throwing it out is definitely is not um, helping. Um, so yeah, definitely using it up first. Good to know. And, and, and back on the topic too of like expensive things that that will probably make a difference. You are seeing a lot of pushes, especially in the auto industry now for like green vehicles. And then I know that, uh, at least in we're in like the kind of Hamilton area of Ontario. Um, you can use like high occupancy vehicle lanes if you're in a green vehicle traveling by yourself too. So there's benefits for getting these things, but obviously they can be cost restrictive at times too. But as we start to develop more technology and electric vehicles and stuff become more easily accessible and available to people, do you think that that is going to have a major impact on like those kinds of emissions? Obviously like people not driving and wasting all that gas is huge, but isn't there a cost to the electrical component of that too? For sure. And, and like you said, it's, um, it's, in, it's the same kind of thing as washing your dishes. Right. And, and, uh, that we, that question you asked me earlier, um, you know, what is the, the greener alternative? Um, but yeah, EVs, they're coming, they're coming up and, um, yeah, I mean, obviously use your, use your fuel efficient, you know, car before you buy a new one. Um, and the other thing too, is like looking at, you know, our current urban setting, right? Like we are car dependent in many ways. And so, um, you know, I'd argue too, like, I mean, we are just going into another vehicle, right? I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it's like, it's still a car and there are still roads to be kept. And, you know, it's still encouraging people to drive around and those vehicles do need to be charged. And on what kind of energy are you using? And then what are you going to do with the battery? And like, so, you know, it's, it's also, it's just, it is a car. I mean, I'm not saying that people can survive without vehicles, um, you know, especially depending on where you live and your job and that kind of thing. Like people do need cars, um, but there are, you know, there's other forms of transportation out there, right? Like there are bikes, there are buses, there are uh, carpool methods, there's car sharing, there's other ways, right? So being uh, just solely focus on the car, I think is, um, sometimes our, our problem, um, in, in a lot of ways. And so, um, yeah, just, you know, maybe you try riding your bike once a week in the summer and spring and use that as a commitment and see, 
um, see what happens, right? Like, are you happier because you're moving more during the week? Is it fun to be on a bike, right? And just thinking about that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question um, about it being becoming more affordable, yeah, I think it will become more affordable. I think people will make that switch. I think people are going to be overcome those hesitancies right now of like, oh, what's going to happen if it runs out of batteries? Well, the same thing that's going to happen if you run out of gas. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think people are going to overcome some of those things, uh, you know, uh, eventually. And um, yeah, people are going to become more comfortable. And so maybe the next car that people buy, uh, you know, people start looking at EVs a little bit differently. Um, and if there still is a lot of hesitancy about it, I think that, you know, hybrids are out there too as well. So you can, you know, use uh, for short, short distances and in, in your city that where you are to do things like grocery shopping and, and whatnot, um, use the EV. And then if you need to travel longer distances, you can um, use the gas if needed. Right. And um, so, yeah, but anyway, to, yeah, I think we need to think about other methods of transportation too as well, because it doesn't just need to be the car. I think, uh, you know, we got to look out, we got to think outside of the car sometimes too. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. One big one. And you kind of, I've thought of this cause you mentioned out of the gate that some people just, you know, aren't going to ride a bike to work or can't depending on their situation. Sure. And, uh, you talked a lot about the importance of the individual act isn't just in the act itself, but in sharing that act and inspiring others yeah. to also act. Sure. So sometimes, you know, we just had Thanksgiving a few weeks ago, Christmas is coming up in a few couple months. I'm sure some people are going to have some relatives around the table who maybe have some bolder opinions on certain things. What are some ways to have these conversations about, other people, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, about differences that they can make and how to live a more green life? You know, it's, it's a great question. And, um, yeah, I think there's always going to be differences of opinion. Um, but I would say like one of the things I like to tell people is that, um, I think the vast majority of people, um, are going to, be open to listening the vast majority there's always going to be that one or two that are just like whoa <laughs> you know like they're just not not going to listen to you regardless right and like it's not because you're wrong it's just because they're battling you because they think it's fun right um so like there's always going to be there's always going to be that um you know and i think uh you know to me if that is draining you and making you feel, uh, you know, maybe don't focus there right now, you know, maybe focus on the, like the vast majority of people that are going to listen. Um, the ones, like I said, that are kind of, you know, not listening at all just because they're not paying attention and they won't see both sides of the argument. I mean, you're kind of just like banging your head against the wall because, you know, it's not, it's not helpful if they're not open. And so I would start with the people that are open to at least hearing both sides or listening, um, and having, um, an, you know, an informative discussion with you, uh, rather than the ones that are just straight up like, this isn't true, you know, and I'm not even going to listen to anything. So I think that that you might be wasting your energy a little bit. I mean, not to say don't try, but I think my best advice would be starting, um, to like get some practice with it. Start with the people that are at least open to listening, um, and, and that kind of thing. And then, um, then moving on to the harder ones after you get a little bit more confident and comfortable, um, talking about it. Um, so that would be my, my best advice. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Very practical advice. <laughs> yeah. So clearly with this being your career and what you studied in school and what you've been doing since you were a little kid telling your parents to, <laughs> to turn off the lights before you eat your dinner and that kind of stuff. Obviously, this is the kind of thing that's on your mind. I'm going to guess like from the moment you wake up, you're thinking about these kinds of things. And oh, I guess not to. I try to like take yeah. a break. <laughs> but but it but I bet for you in a lot of ways because you've spent so much time and energy doing it, these things just become second nature and natural to you in your everyday life. And are there any like other quick things that you can like recommend to someone that they can probably make this tiny change in their life every day and not really have it impact them and and it be just part of their life now. Sure. I think, you know, and I think that's a, almost a misconception. I think people have this, like, they think that I've got, you know, a Tesla and solar panels <laughs> on my roof and like, 
I live in the woods and I'm off grid and like, <laughs> like, Oh, Jessica, she must be perfect. You know? And, uh, you know, I really hope that's not what people think because that is not true. There is still plastic in my house. Um, you know, there are still things that I, I struggle and I'm by far not perfect by way, shape or form, um, at all in terms of, of my, my lifestyle. I mean, yeah. I, I've definitely made some serious waves in uh, what I do and, and how I do it. And I'm always trying to push and, and do more. But I think that's, um, yeah, I think that's one of the, I guess, fallacies, if you will. Like, it's all or nothing, right? You have I think to- that's a good thing to admit and to talk about, too, is yeah. that that's not what we're striving for here. It's not to be perfect. Yes perfect it's just to try to do better and i think that's key and so i've been very transparent about that it's it's like it's not about being it's not all or nothing right you don't need to do everything in order to do something and so you know don't let um you know that stop you right because there are things that you're just never going to be able to do i mean it's i can't eat vegan cheese made from cashews i just can't do it i will literally break out and go into anaphylactic shock right so i'm not going to choose that as something that is viable for me to do um you know and i think that that's a really important uh, part of this is like you need to like you know you can't compare yourself you know i, I like to think of it as losing weight right i mean like if you are hundred pounds overweight and um, you know, the guy down the street's 20 pounds, like you're starting at different points. Right. And so you're, you have to think about, and like, you know, you can't compare yourself to an Olympic athlete and say, okay, well, I'm going to become an Olympic athlete. Right. Like you just need to start where you are and start making changes and just continue to have it on your mind. And, and can you do one more thing? Right. And you know, this year I gave out uh, Clementine's, um, like dressed as pumpkins, like, you know, I like put a permanent, you know, and I gave those out to the kids. Right. And, um, just another thing that you like super easy, low hanging fruit, like, you know, don't give out, um, lots of candy with wrappers, right. That could turn into litter later, like just such a simplistic thing that, um, anyone can do really. Um, the meatless Mondays might be a little bit more challenging for some, but it's another, you know, low hanging fruit to get people started. You don't need to go all the way, um, swap your diet entirely. You can do baby steps, um, and you can't get started with, with something. And so, yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I've made a lot of changes personally and, you know, I'm pretty minimalistic. I, you know, my, my clothes are used and, you know, I, I really have, um, just cut down on just, I mean, I've never been much of a stuff person anyway, but I, I just, I, I live very minimalistically. I don't, I, I don't have a car. My partner has a car. So we are one car family. Um, my dog's barking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, anyway, she's, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, just, yeah, taking a look at, um, you know, what you own and that kind of thing and having less of it and, uh, you know, connecting with nature is something I'm really big into as well. Um, so, you know, not just, um, you know, doing things like composting, but spending time in nature to remind herself, okay, what, is it that I'm doing this for, right? You know, mm-hmm. what, why am I doing this in the first place? Right. And always connecting back to that, I think is uh, super important. So the more that we connect with nature, the more that we're in it, you know, I'm a big camper, um, you know, and that kind of thing, just, just spending time in nature reminds you of why it's important to protect it and why you're even making those small changes in the first place. So anyway, that's that. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. And yeah, you, you need that reminder to, to, of like, what am I fighting for? And you get to spend some time in, especially in Canada where we're lucky enough to have so much beautiful nature and stuff all around us. Yeah. Get out and enjoy it. Don't just sit on your couch all day, just watching other people enjoy it on YouTube or something. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have one more question and, and your dog barking is actually what brought it up for me but are there like green things that you can do involving your pets more in terms of pet food brands that you'd recommend out there or anything like that or can those all be found on the random yes of green they can we actually have um this question has come up quite frequently because i think people are starting to realize that um pets have a uh, carbon paw print, if you will. Um and yeah it's it's um it's something to think about because um dog food is meat dominant. Mm -hmm. And so in a lot of ways, um, it 
has caused some yeah controversy, right? So um, in terms of, yeah, we're buying, if we're vegan, vegetarian, uh, and then we're feeding our dogs just strict um, food that's made from meat. Um, yeah, there's some, yeah, there's definitely some question marks. And uh, another really interesting thing is that um, during the pandemic, uh, pet ownership has just like skyrocketed. Yeah. So more people have pets. And so it's becoming huge um, conversation right now is how to green the pet industry. And I think it's an evolving and emerging topic. But I would say that we do have some business members that uh, are selling um, cricket made um pet treats. So basically they're made from um, insects, uh, it's insect protein. And so it's just something else. So I've given them to my dog and she just gobbles them up, but she eats anything. There's other dogs that might be. It's hard to tell with um, dogs sometimes how good things eats, are. I know, right? She loves everything. So, I mean, she's a lab, like she'll eat, she'll eat anything. Um, but yeah, so I think, yeah. And then the other thing too is like, you know, the dog bags when you're going for a walk, like, yeah. you know, which kind are you using? Um, you know, we have another company that has, um, you know, the ones that compost and that kind of thing. And, um, and then another one I think is making like pet toys made from like, I think upcycled rope or something. So yeah, we've got some good, um, good companies that uh, we've partnered with that have helped educate even us in the, in the field. Uh, it's not something I'd thought about before. Um, so again, I'm always learning too, because there's so many industries that have so much work to do and uh, that are always coming up with, with new ideas and new ways to, uh, yeah, green their industry. So it's been, yeah, it's exciting work. That's for sure. And you mentioning those uh, dog compost bags for picking up your, mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. dog poop and stuff like that. One thing I will say um, if you're buying these kinds of products and stuff, use them properly too. Like how many times do you see people get these compostable dog bags and then throw them in the garbage? Truth. Like, they're not being composted if they're being thrown in the garbage yeah. as far as I know. Right. Yeah. So it's throw true. them in the compost instead. Like I think that those you're are also just things people. that people need. <laughs> yeah. You need to think about the full cycle of that thing. Not just the, the fact that you bought it. Sure. sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Totally. So we've covered a wide range of topics here and we've mentioned obviously the Random Acts of Green app and you mentioned the website where people can see your business partners. Where else can people go to learn more about you, what you're doing and what your organization is trying to accomplish? Um, definitely our website's the best place. Um, but we do have very active social media channels as well. Um, we have a Facebook and an Instagram channel, um, right now that we constantly are sharing ideas and, and, um, brands too, as well that we work with. Um, so Instagram and Facebook are good places, our app, and then our website. Um, and we also have a newsletter that, uh, is quite popular too as well. So um, people are constantly getting tips, ideas, and tricks and that from it. Um, and then we would encourage um, people to become members with Random Acts of Green. So that's one of our, um, so we have a business program, but we also have an individual program where people can actually sign up to be a member with Random Acts of Green and to contribute to our work as well as get uh, curated um, impact um ideas of things that they can do that are um, just, yeah, just a little bit more formal. Um, and we provide and we build a relationship with each of our members too, as well. And so we get to know them. Um, and then we're kind of a, an extension of your green team to help you uh, get the right answers. So uh, that's uh, another way to get involved with us. Fantastic. Awesome. Do you have anything else, Dylan? Well, we always do have this one final question. We ask our guests the same for every guest. So, uh, what have you been watching or listening to or any recommendations you can give out there if it's on Netflix or just a good book you've read or podcast or anything like that? Um, all right. Let me think about that. I mean, right now I'm reading a book on uh, the psychology of stress <laughs> out of all things. So, uh, it's a, it's a really easy read. Um, and it's really interesting. Uh, I thought it was like an easy read. <laughs> it's really easy i promise it's like so colorful and it's just like yeah it's just it's just such an it's um the, the book is just like it's almost like a picture book and you just like flip through it and it gives you really interesting facts on um just like the difference of stress between men and women um just other coping tactics how to deal with anxiety that kind of thing 
um, yeah, I've, I've really liked the book. I recommended it to a couple people. And if you're dealing with anxiety or stress, I would highly, you know, most people are during the pandemic. Uh, you know, do you know what it's called book. offhand? Um, yes, it's called The Psychology of, of Stress, I believe. Psychology of, let me look it up. Um, psychology of Stress. Yeah, it's, no, sorry, it's called Stress. No. The, yeah, The Psychology of Stress Managing Pressure. Yeah, it's a nice uh, little book. You can get it. It's an ebook, and uh, yeah, great tips and ideas. And like I said, very easy read um, for people to kind of dig into on a weeknight or on a weekend morning. Just flip through a couple pages. It's not uh, it's not heavy reading, but it's very good. So yeah, that's what I would recommend. That's awesome. Sounds good. Thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Well, I think well thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on, and it's been great chatting with you. And uh, we'll definitely be signing up uh, to join the mailing list and get the apps and stuff, and get all those green tips uh, sent to our inboxes. Alrighty. Well, thank you again, Jessica, for all your tips for joining us today. Uh, tips on being more green, insights on how we can change our outlook putting things into practice and, and just starting this company in the first place and trying to get people motivated and into the mindset of being more green in their lives. And also, like she said, not like making people feel guilty about it. I really like that, um, that aspect of it because like I said at the beginning and she, and she said it during the podcast, like, you know, just don't want to feel guilty about doing this stuff. It turns people off, gets them off track a little bit so thank you again uh you can find them at random acts of green on instagram or their website is www.raog.ca and like she said they have an app on the app store random acts of green download that and track how you're doing absolutely you can probably not find us on the leaderboard but we'll be striving <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll get there where you can find us is on Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and most other places you find your podcasts. We've also got a website where you can find all of our podcasts and links to uh, people we've had in the past, including Random Acts of Green. Our website's thegrownupstable.ca, or you can throw us an email if you have any insights or ideas, topic ideas, anything you want to say, thegrownupstablepod at gmail.com. Be sure to give us a follow, like, and give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes, and we'll see you again at the Grown Ups Table. table.